Hi, this is Aaron Harris. And I'm David Monters with the Star Wars Reactions Podcast. And you are listening to the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Great pull, kid. Okay, Chop, stay here, just in case we need a backup. Hey! You've seen the show, and like us, you have questions. Ooh, that was a good one, but try this one on for size. No question should be left off your list. Whoa, 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 I got a crazy theory, but hear me out. But you better have some spares. Oh, that was one of mine. All right, let's do this instead. With me, as always, is my friend and Card Squadron winger. This is Greg Cass, a.k.a. Ion Cannon. We've recorded at home and across the U.S. Last summer, we were from the Boston Common. This week, we're in Chicago. This is day three of celebration. The show has had many names, but the purpose is the same. Let's share some time at the table. Ding, ding, it's time for breakfast. Welcome to The Breakfast Pack, a Rebel Base Card micro podcast series. A returning Star Wars insert series podcast that asks more questions than it answers. Today on Breakfast Pack number 52, we are asking questions on Mandalorian Season 3, Chapter 20, and Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 14, which both premiered on Disney Plus on Wednesday, March 22nd. Along with me, Greg McLaughlin is my co-host, fellow Card Squadron winger, and pretty snazzy in a rebel coat, Gregory Cass from Ion Cannon, Instagram at Hive, and IonCannon.com. Greg, how you doing this evening? Oh, thank you for the compliment on my coat. I'm, I'm doing well. I will say, uh, you know, the university I teach at has a really robust fashion program. And one day I was walking out of class in my ro- my rebel jacket and one of the fashion students said, you know, his jacket's kind of a sleigh. And I just felt like a million bucks. I'm like, yes, it is kind of a sleigh. And I strutted right to my car, my affordable economic car and drove <laughs> off campus. So <laughs> we can't all have, you know, like a black, you know, a black and gold, you know, X-Wing to travel to with BB with BB-8. <laughs> so, you know, every now and then it just has to be a Hyundai Sonata. Uh, but you can but, you know, once you're inside, you can't see it from the outside. Uh, this is a guy who drove, who's been driving Kias for a very, very long time. All right. <laughs> this is an insert series podcast in the regular feed where Greg and I will trade questions to each other that we have not talked about before, although it was really hard on this one. There is, of course, a chance we could take another's question. Since we're talking about a current series of Star Wars, and oh, buddy, if you haven't seen the episodes in question, this is your only warning that there will be spoilers for these <laughs> shows. If you haven't watched yet, I beg of you, I invite you to come back and listen later on after you've watched. For this contest of questions, there are no points, bonuses, or lightning rounds. But there is the Greg's List, which is a selection of podcasts and other assorted media we ingested between, or in some cases we're on a podcast about, uh, to see if they've answered any of our (laughs) questions and then some. It's also one of my favorite parts of the show as it highlights just some of the amazing work being done out there by Colby. No, the community and Colby. That's right. The community (laughs) and Colby. Edit. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, We hope you check out some or all and maybe find a new content creator. See, I'm going to bait Colby every episode from here at this point on. Uh, We hope you find a new content creator out there you like and want to support. Maybe if even it's Colby. Um, But anyway, (laughs) I I jest, but I would say uh, before we get started, I... I, I love the fact, and I talked about the spoiler warning. Um, I was not spoiled by this. And even during it, and I will get to that later on, I had no clue. And I would say mm-hmm. 
you know, this ranks a high episode. I'll, I'll, I'm not going to give the, the, the whole spoiler away, but I was so happy that I didn't know. And mm-hmm. when it came through, it's just one of those things, like it's one of those few times in Star Wars, you know, that you, when you're generally surprised by something. I mean, Easter eggs aside, you know, you get the Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, gif and things like that. But I would say this was such a pleasant surprise and made such a great episode of Mandalorian uh, that it was just, it had me grinning and I could not wait to talk to you about it. But before mm-hmm. we get started, I am curious. Um, give me some initial thoughts before we get in the Greg's list. Some initial thoughts on Mandalorian? Yes, I, I cannot uh, as- help but talk. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. Uh, totally justified, uh, the enthusiasm. Um, I already revealed this to our group chat and thereby a solid half of our audience probably, but, uh, I slept in a little, I didn't get up at my usual 5am. I slept until six. And so I commuted to work and got to my office. I, I get there at about seven most days. And so I threw open the iPad and I was like, well, I have, I've, copies to sort and things to do but i'm gonna play mando here in my office with a cup of coffee and you know 7 a.m on a college campus is it's a ghost town there's nobody (laughs) else in there maybe one other lonely instructor passes through on the way to the the keurig machine and and back out um but you know the moment happened where uh you know the reveal happened uh, and we are of course talking about the reveal of keller and beck and i shouted i was you know i was alone i just i let out a woot and i pumped my fist and you know there's there's this moment just before where you hear one of the masters say you know get him to to kellerin and i'm like kellerin kellerin you know the the canon part of my brain tingles i'm like i know i know that name what is that name and then when the doors open and you get a dramatic hero shot it just it it blew me away and then thinking about all that Ahmed Best has been through and all that Jedi Temple challenge meant to me and mm-hmm. particularly my son in the in the start of the pandemic um and he got such a wonderful moment to shine and to be a star um which he is in in no uh uncertain terms it just filled me with pride and joy and you know i think over the years, there's been a lot of times when Lucasfilm has let down their talent, but they work hard when they know somebody's been wronged by their experience. They work hard to make it right. And uh, I'm going to steal what Dan Z said about, which is you couldn't ask for a better thing for a better person, right? This is a good man uh, getting treated right. And it's, it's really inspiring and just wonderful. Yeah. And I, 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 I couldn't agree more. And I, I, I did, I did kind of I liked uh, where a part of it, like I was, you know, one of the many tweets that went through about, you know, he didn't need a redemption. It was, you know, it was the f- fan community's fault. It's like, you know, community's fault. It was our fault. You know, Jar Jar just didn't hit with some of us, myself included. But under no circumstances should he have gone through, you know, like what he went through, him and Jake Lloyd both. Um, you know, and, and Jake mm. Lloyd's a more, you know, and in some cases, you know, even as much of a tragic story there. But, you know, it was so good to see it. And I, I, I just liked what they have been doing. And, you know, I couldn't have asked for a better, you know, like, you know, like, and the best part is the story's not done. Right. And I'm like, perfect. Yeah. And, you know, I think the, the sound you heard was like a thousand, you know, keyboards clacking of the Keller and Beck fanfic uh, or, the, you know, like <laughs> the discussions on. It. And I think it's so awesome when you can see that coming back. And like I said, 
Um, the longer I do this, the more, you know, the more admiration I have for, for not only these kind of stories, but, you know, when you think about the prequels and eventually the sequels, I think, uh, for a lot of, a lot of their aspects, we'll get that same kind of love, just like every piece of Star Wars, you know, even, you know, people, you know, waxing poetic about the holiday special, you know, and, and, and <laughs> let me tell you, it was, that was hard to get through, but you know, it's, it's just one of those things where I, I was just so happy with the episode, uh, but we have a lot more to talk about. In, in this one, but I just want to get, I thought that was worth it to kind of get that off because I'm like, I, okay, now I can kind of come down a little bit or just get more excited. But um, in between, you know, Pabu and the convert, what did you get a chance to listen to and or ingest this week? Sure. Uh, I'm going to narrow down to a, a single shout out this week because um, Force Center remains just a steady part of my diet. And uh, they have been busting out like hour and a half shows about each episode. And they're there for you on Thursday morning. Um, and they always provide just really good insights. They do a section that's on the kind of deeper themes and then a section on the whimsy and the fun and then a little bit of talk about easter eggs and they all bleed together a little bit as as conversations tend to um but you know um i i having surveyed a lot of shows i was much more positive on the convert than a lot of other people were uh, i'm still very positive even though i i well i won't talk about rankings uh so uh <laughs> So I do think, you know, um, it was a struggle for a lot of people and, and, you know, that showed up on a lot of uh, my favorites and, you know, it's good. People can disagree and, and to have the discussion is really fun. But one thing um, Force Center talked about for the convert, which I loved, was the theme of good intentions and how, mm -hmm. you know, is there a difference between the New Republic and the Empire? Yes, it's because there are good intentions at the heart of it and they're trying to do better. And I think that makes that episode all the more tragic, both about the character who had good intentions and, and was, you know, misled, but also just about the New Republic. And yeah, you know, uh, we we said on our episode, uh, winning is even easy, g governing is harder, the line from Hamilton. And I think that's what we're seeing is they don't have the manpower. People, I, I didn't even pick up on everything we've seen about the New Republic is understaffed. It's got droids. They're trying to grab Cara Dune and they're trying, you know. And so uh, this theme of they've got the right intentions, but it's really hard to, to uh, manage it right. I think is really interesting and really cool. Uh, and then uh, a couple of people actually, I think CWK pointed this out. I had totally missed that uh, when Pershing says it's a trap, the uh, yes. Mon Cal doctor gives him a sideways look. I'd missed that. Yeah, maybe that's the wrong moment for a little quirky joke. But, uh, you know, Star Wars is, is serious and goofy, and that's why we love it. It was funny in listening to some of the, the shows that I did that, yes, I think some of the it went across the board. And, you know, I, I would say all the like I said, the what was funny is it was a good week to listen to Idiot's Array because uh, Becca Benjamin was just having a time, you know, like especially those folks who are steeped like yourself in the books and all the different references in the books, which is really nice because there was some great stuff, you know, being written out there. And I think it's tough, especially, you know, even in the short time that they have had, you know, if you're trying to like weave all this stuff in and try to make this stuff click and, and jive, you know, it's no small task anymore. Um, but I did even like the fact that, you know, even in this episode, you know, having that, that mount, you know, um, Umadi, um, show up again. And you're like, Hey, if the mm -hmm. set's still together, why not make use of it again? Um, but mm -hmm. you know, yes, I got, I had, had a chance to listen to, um, coffee with Kenobi for both of their shows. And you know, it was nice hearing Tom gross, 
uh, you know, come back on. And I think he was doing double duty. I think he was, I think he was on both. Um, and then, you know, even, you know, getting Mason in there, um, you know, Colby cast doing their thing, Krypton to Alderaan, which it was amazing. You know, everyone was kind of trying to figure out like the intentions of Pershing and whether or not, you know, good, bad and all that. And I, I kind of like the fact that it, it gave a lot of, you know, meat for folks to kind of, you know, talk about and, and different points of view, which I thought was really interesting. And then, you know, I would say that, you know, it's really great now. If you're going back into Fanta tracks and you're reading those reviews, I mean, you know, Mark Newbold has a killer um, staff that is helping out on this. On just on the Mandalorian episode alone, you had Becca Benjamin, Jen Subchakchai, Paul Naylor, Eric Lake, is it Oakenhout, Daniel Lowe, Ross Holliban, Jonathan Hipkiss, and that was just on that one. And you know, it was <laughs> it was really amazing. And I'm like, what an all star lineup there. And, you know, of course, we, we've talked about Jen and, and the, her, her substack and all that. So it's just really kind of fun getting all these different and, and what people are kind of picking up on, you know, everything. And uh, that's that's what's really great. And then, of course, Mark Newbold is doing the own, you know, the, he had to do he had to do the the recap show himself, uh, which I was like, <laughs> that that's rough. Um, but, you know, pretty amazing. And then lastly, I, I did have you, you mentioned Cara Dune, and I'm glad you did. Uh, there was a piece from Jen's bit in the Substack, and it was also in the review uh, that I kind of didn't quite get. And when she talked about the mind flare, right? And she talked about, mm. and I'll quote her in this one. She says, in season one, Karen Dude says to Din that if the Empire catches her, that they'll upload her to a mind flare. And I was like, and then she says, she goes on to say, the word upload implies that maybe the mind flare transfers knowledge and memories to, to she says, like a cloud storage somewhere. So she adds that even if Pershing is a vegetable at the end of the procedure, <laughs> Elia could still be able to take that knowledge out there. And I completely, I was like, whoa, one, I, you know, the callback was, was pretty amazing just from that line. Because so many times, you, you know, there are these lines, that just, there's so much in them that you can kind of completely miss this. And I love that take. And I thought, you know, wow, that, that actually is, is quite plausible. And I could see, you know, as we we're trying to figure out, you know, and I kind of like the fact that, you know, you're not quite sure, communications officer like Kane, where where is you know where's her you know loyalties lie, and what is her real intention? But I just want to kind of throw that great shout out, uh, Jen. That was a great that was a great uh, catch there. And like I said, uh, a lot of these folks are just doing amazing stuff, and it's so much fun. And it was great uh, hearing that you got to be on Coffee with Kenobi for, that we'll talk about another yeah you know, next week because you're going to be on, you're talking about this episode. <laughs> that had to have been fun. Did you do? Which shows did you do? Uh, I did both. Oh. So I did I did Bad Batch and then I did Mando in uh, a double duty. So uh, it is a treat. It was a great conversation, uh, and so uh, I, it's always an honor to be called up uh, and and joined uh, joined Dan on that show. So we we had a good time last night uh, talking about it all, and I got to meet Mason, which was really nice uh, as well. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, it's like I said, it's been fun kind of watching him progress. Um, I think there's going to some content down the road that definitely uh, get it, keep him on that train because that's fun. And then, like I said, you've got a budding podcaster in the making as we speak. All right, uh, we're going to stay consistent with the last few weeks just because where Batch is, right? Batch is getting pretty much, you know, the questions at this time of the season. We've done this. You know, this, this is not our first radio. So when you start to get down towards the end of the season, it, you know, your list of questions kind of, you know, most of that stuff kind of gets revealed. So we are going to start with the the Bad Batch episode uh, tipping point tonight, and then we'll get uh, we'll get into the meat, which is mostly on on the foundling. <laughs> anyway, but 
I thought this was a really good episode. So I'm curious what your first question on Tipping Point is going to be. Mm, yes. I mean, it's hard to believe, uh, you know, you said it at the top of the show. It's episode 14 already <laughs> of this season. And, you know, you remember it premiered at the beginning of January and you're like, yeah, it is 14. But it is kind of remarkable how fast it's gone. Um, and especially these double weeks, we only have one more, which is going to mm. be really tough because it's it's an hour of Bad Batch plus uh you know, whatever Mando's runtime is. But, you know, it tends to be when we have a short Mando, like we did this week, that it's a long one the next week. So I would suspect a 45-minute Mando next week. But we'll see uh, when mm. the, the timestamp comes up. Uh, so my first question, I mean, there's a lot to pick apart here. I think you're right. It was tempting to just ask different versions of what's going to happen next <laughs> week uh, for each character. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to ask kind of a broader question to begin with is what do you think Hemlock, our new uh, doctor, evil man from the episode before this, uh, what do you think he wants to do with the clones? What do you think his his research involves them or is he just decommissioning them? Why, why are they going to him? It's interesting, and it, I would say it kind of slides into one of the questions that I had as far as, like, what does Dr. Hemlock do for kicks? Does he suck on bits <laughs> of toxin all day while, you know, taking magnifying glasses out to ants? Um, you know, I, I think, you know, this is a fella that, that, you know, Echo says, you know, brings out quite well. He was, like, you know, taken away from his Republic duties uh, because of his, you know, his unorthodox methods or whatnot. So I think he's somehow convinced folks that he's the answer for the clones' attitudes. Like, no, no, and, you know, this his little shop of horrors there. But, you know, I, I, I do think he is behind the believers, and he's certainly got, he certainly has the, the ear of some of the empire right now, as far as, you know, they do see that they have a problem. He's like, I got a solution for you. And he's got a good, you know, he, he's, he's a, he's a one. Um, but at any rate, but that's what I think. I, I you know, it, he must be behind the believers and, and that he, he's got, you know, he's, he's ready to take apart folks and try to put them back together. Although he clearly does not have all the answers. Evil doctors rarely yeah. do. <laughs> speaking as an evil doctor myself uh <laughs> i will say yeah i think i actually i'd forgotten about the believers if i'm being honest so when you just said that i was like of course like uh because we do know they were clones or based on clones and if there's a way to you know mind flay or something else these clones into even further obedience and uh, you know, I think that that is an entirely plausible theory. Uh, I did just want to pick up, uh, you know, I when he was talking about how he developed the immunity to the poison, I I uh, thought of two characters, and uh, one was, uh, um, you know, we have uh, uh, the the uh, I forget, shoot, I now forget his name, but he's he's kind of the secondary villain in the Wonder Woman movie. You think he's the main villain, and and he's a World War One scientist who has, you know, he kind of gets high on his own supply of of neurotoxins to to stimulate himself up and to be able to fight uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, but the second one was I couldn't help but remember uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts uh, from <laughs> Princess Bride, and when he has his showdown with a 
Sicilian, uh, you know, and that's such a classic, wonderful movie scene. And then he says, well, of course, I've, I've over time, I've developed uh, an immunity to Iocane powder and uh, don't uh, feel its effects. And uh, it just felt like that to me, like he's been working and toiling on this poison and, and it developed his way. So I think those are his kicks uh, to answer that part of the question uh, and to agree that, you know, well, what do we know from Pershing? Uh, and maybe we're starting to see why these are overlapping is we know Pershing's whole deal is to take strands from different casts and pull them together. I maybe had that backward cast from different strands and pull them together and, and mix donors. And maybe that work starts here with Hemlock and he's, you know, got a good base of clone DNA to experiment with and he can add whatever he wants to it. And oops, that one went wrong. Let's try this way with the exact same genetic code to follow so yeah he's sort of the the biological equivalent of the inhibitor chip um for for mm -hmm. good or bad all right let's i want to stay i want to stay with that hemlock kick um i thought there was an interesting and uh, forgive me on the doctor the 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 woman doctor's name um you know she doesn't necessarily think that oh was it Emery? I, now I've forgotten it. Uh, I looked it up yesterday because I'd forgotten it. I but think I you believe are her right. first name is Emery. And Emery I'm, Carr. Emery Carr. So Doctor Carr, and I'm wondering, is she the is she indeed the work of Doctor Hemlock, or is she a carryover? You know, I I keep listening to that accent, and I think we've talked about this before about, you know, was she was she a, a like a, an Omega copy? Or is she the work of, you know, or is she the work of Hemlock? Is is that some early work, or is that something else? I'm I'm kind of curious about her story. Uh, I completely agree, and you know, the accent is the New Zealand accent that is Django, Boba, and um, and Omega, right? Or is Tamara Morrison, D. Bradley Baker, and Michelle Ang, um, and. To me, you could justify that in universe. I mean, if she's from Camino and has only been raised around these people from Camino, she would carry on the same accent, one would think. True. But there were two things uh, here that make me think there's more to her story. The first is, uh, and this is my next question to you, so prepare, Crosshair chooses to stun her, and I want to know why he stuns her instead of killing her, because he's killing left and right as he's making his escape, but he stuns her. Um, so I want to know why in-universe, but out of universe, that means to me they need to preserve her for more storytelling, and they don't want her off the board. Um... And then the second one is kind of a subtle thing, and maybe I'm just slowly going mad, but I would say uh, in the final scene when Crosshair is strapped to the board, um, about to be tortured, uh, Hemlock says, um, I, want, uh, I want to track down the rogue clone. And at that moment, the camera cuts to her. And I'm really curious why they made that choice. Um, and in some ways, I think it's exactly what you just said, this theory that maybe she is an Omega clone or maybe she's related, right? That cut could be there. Or it could also be that, you know, maybe the rogue clone and torturing a child is what will break her out of this because mm -hmm. she seems to be a little soft on the ideal. So I really think that could go either way. But if, if she were not in important she'd be gone it'd be that easy right uh so there must be something more to tell about her 
Yeah, I, I, I think so. Although, you know, when you see when you see Crosshair stun her at point blank range, you go, you know what? That's probably just as good as killing people in in other things. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I do suspect that he probably sees her if, if she, in fact, is a clone that, you know, it kind of follows like we stun clones, you know, and uh, and shoot just about everybody else. Um, but that's, you know, my, my feeling is, yes, I am. Uh, you know, they have been kind of playing coy. I, I think there's, I, I would hope there's more to her story because we still have a two-parter and it would make things super interesting. And, you know, do, do we have only two episodes to have a very, very taste, you know, have have a very satisfying end to Dr. Hemlock or is he going to carry over into uh, into next season? Um, that would be, that would be the, the, the speculation of the evening. But that that's, that's kind of my take on it. Uh here, here's something, like I said, the, uh, I don't have much more, but I, I, you know, we out, we saw Stephen Stanton as Governor Tarkin back in this episode, yay. And so on that, I will say, do you think Tarkin is really on board with all this or is he simply playing the odds like he, he, he normally does? <laughs> Oh, you cue me up so well for some uh, canon talk, which um, it's no no longer at the top of my list. But one of the early canon books that I, uh, uh, in the new canon that I really loved is Catalyst, which is the preview novel for Rogue One. And that really uh, is about primarily about Galen and Krennic and established who Krennic is. And when I saw Rogue One, and, and I might have the details of this wrong, and he deserves to correct me if, if not, but I saw Rogue One opening night in the same theater as, as Carl from Wampa's Lair. And um, I had read Catalysts, and he had not. And I had a much better night that night than he did. And I, I think his, his views have changed. There's always that moment where you see a new Star Wars movie, and you're like, wait, it's different, and I kind of have to figure out my feelings. And he came out kind of like, eh, I don't know. And I was like, no, it's perfect because of this and that and that. And uh, maybe I wasn't that positive either because it does take some time. But um, in that book, it's very much about the science section and these special projects that we know lead to that. And, you know, we're, we're not seeing those exact same insignias like we did in Andor for some reason, which I'm still curious about. But I do think um, there's there's some reasoning there that I think Tarkin puts himself in a position where he lets his underlings compete and push themselves. And just like we saw with Krennic, as soon as there's results and and soon as there's fruits of their labor, he'll swoop in and take credit, right. And and be the guy who uh, gets to report it to the emperor. So I, I suspect that's the game we see uh, Tarkin playing here as well. I don't, I don't think he's ever a died in the wool believer, but he he's ready to let people loose and, and do their work and then claim credit for it when he can. And I just don't want to leave my point without uh, acknowledging like you did. Um, I don't miss much about Twitter, but I do miss the Stephen Stanton autograph <laughs> giveaways that I was determined to win and can no longer be eligible for. Maybe he does those on Instagram. I need to look him up. Uh, but uh, he's such a wonderful member of this fandom. And, you know, I remember some really old special episodes of Rebel Force Radio where he would come on and just do storytelling in voices and things like that. Oh. And he's he's just a lot of fun and you know uh, again in a week when we're celebrating the return of one of those really good guys um he's another really good guy and, and a blessing to this fandom so i think i think he's well worth the usually very reasonable autograph uh fee for him 
especially if you get a Radis with him. I think that would be my Ooh, choice. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it, it does kind of seem it, it does kind of seem that this is all this is all it, it's a convenient it's one of those things it's great if it works. If it's not, you know, I I'm ready to sweep all of them under the rug and so you as well. Uh, so, which would also just be another satisfying end to Doctor Hemlock as well, as if he just outlives his usefulness with Tarkin. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was great to kind of see it because once again, it's kind of you know you you can see Tarkin just appear in all this, whether it's Clone Wars, whether it's Rebels, whether it, you know, and uh, it, it's so much fun. And then you know, it's it's always kind of fun. Also, the exercise of going. You know, after the show and looking at all the you know, all the voice credits, you know, un- unlike say Mandalorian, uh, at the very <laughs> least you get more credits, uh, voice credits, you know, with with uh, the Bad Batch or actor credits with the Bad Batch, and it's kind of fun to see, you know, because I think not only he did two or three voices, I think you know, like everybody kind of took turns, like, hey, you over there cleaning, uh, can you do Stormtrooper number seven? Because uh, we have a <laughs> lot of lot of Stormtroopers in this, um, you know, first gen Stormtroopers, so it's it's kind of fun seeing him there. Well, on on that point, I will say I just replayed Jedi Fallen Order, which uh, is is still a good time. Again, you should just set it to story mode. It's very easy combat if you do it that way. But uh, one of the funniest things is um, David W. Collins, who's such an accomplished member of the Lucasfilm sound department. um, He was the one doing sound for that video game, and he is all the stormtroopers. And I knew David W. Collins from years of celebration stage hosting. He always does a fantastic job. And his really really wonderful soundtrack show podcast where he breaks down music from movies and television and so it's really weird to spend you know three weeks in my living room just killing him over and over and over again and i i finally posited said to my wife i'm like you're not, you don't care about this but let me just say i really love this man and i respect him and think he's a wonderful part of fandom and all night long, I just hear him going like, ah, or like, I'll get him this time. Ah, and it's just me. Ah, and so it's it's a very funny part of that game to me. <laughs> I'm going to flip the script that those are the, exactly the words that Cal says every time I fire up Jedi Fallen Order. And I feel guilty about putting putting Cal through that, especially, you know, I mean, it, I guess it's nice because at the end, I know that he makes it to another game. But that that makes me feel no less good. Um, but yes, one of these days, one of these days, and I know spring break is coming up, I should just fire up Fallen Order just to see if I could make it another level and like, yay, and then come back next year, you know, just Mm. an annual thing as it were. All right. (laughs) Are we ready to give our Pringles cans ratings, uh, for this episode? Yeah, I, let me just I, I won't throw this out as a question because I think this is one of the ones that we'll have the answer for next week, but I think it's worth asking why Crosshair is, is warning the batch because that yeah. seems very uncrosshair. So to think a little bit more, is it love of Omega? Is it that he's turned so fully on the Empire? Um, I think a lot of us at the end of season one thought when he was kind of with the batch, he was joining back up. And yet I'm not ready to make that same leap this season because I'm just really not sure. So, um, yeah, go for it. Uh, you know what I was going to say is that I think you've brought it up before, you know, with and you can go over to Mando, right? Mando kind of had a reset. And I think maybe Crosshair's had a bit of a reset as well to kind of go back as like, this is the only thing I know at this point. It's, you know, I, I don't know how I'm going to get out of here. I'm obviously not going to be a soldier for the Empire. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to be around too much longer. And I do think that you kind of fall back on the instincts of, hey, 
you know, and I, I like it when he was like, he didn't call it, he called it, didn't call her Omega, the kid, right? You know, I was like, all right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was kind of interesting. And, uh, you know, it was kind of, you know, good on Echo to maybe, you know, keep those old frequencies open because <laughs> they wouldn't have maybe caught it otherwise. But, uh, yeah, I do think maybe he just kind of reset back into sort of some, you know, at this point, what do I have to lose? And mm. so. Uh, so Pringles cans, not to avoid it. I'm going to go, you know, I think it's so hard to judge this one when it's clearly the moving of the pieces to be ready for the finale. I'm really excited for next week. I think my enthusiasm about this episode maybe made it so that Bad Batch is first in my viewing uh, next Wednesday. We'll see how I feel at that early morning time. But I'm going to go uh, eight and a half solid mm. B uh, for where this is. And, and I'm excited to see where it's going. Interesting. I had this, I, I started off giving this a nine because I did like the fact that we were back on Pabu. I loved the opening sequence of, you know, I think a very, a very short, you know, Rex and Echo and they're going after. And then we saw um, Hauser. Yay. Um, I, we didn't get a chance to talk about Senator Chuchi, although, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you're like, we know what's going to happen. And almost the, the naivete is almost like, Oh, that's so, that's so cute that you think the Senate's going to do something when clearly Palpatine has this all locked up. But I like the fact that they're still, they're still going. Like you said, this is a perfect, it's setting up pieces for, and the penultimate one, which of course will be like, we'll, we'll see the finale right after the penultimate next week. But I like where this was going. I'm going to stick with nine. I liked how it moved along. I mean, you know, Hemlock going through that mist of toxin and things like that. Mm. You know, he's setting, he's quite, he, you know, I like the fact you like Rampart was bad, but, but Hemlock has bad. Plus this guy is psychotic. And I, I like that. Okay. You know, it's not just another snooty Imperial officer. This guy's really, you know, the cheese really fell off the cracker on this one. And <laughs> so that might, you know, I think that kind of ups the ooh factor a little bit. And I, I really, I think he's got a, I think he's got a, I think he's got a big, uh, big ending coming. So uh, a, a very satisfying ending. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with, uh, I'm going to stick with nine and uh, leave it at that for right now. All right. Okay. We are talking about the foundling, which has a lot of meat <laughs> on this bone. And so I'm going to let you, you know, rub, rub those, rub those hands together right. and, and hit me with your first uh, question there. Hmm, I'm not going to go big to little this week on this one. I'm going to go chronological for me. Not that you, I'm not dictating that, but that's how I'm going. So my first scene that got me really excited was this beautiful little vignette of Grogu with seemingly rocks and then crabs, (laughs) uh, which I just thought was a delight. Um, But it made me ask a bigger question, and and I'm going to admit that this question comes up a lot on Ringerverse. Um, The the women who host Ringerverse are really huge Rebels fans, and they keep likening Grogu's creature abilities to Ezra's creature abilities. Hmm. And we often saw Ezra kind of manipulating animals or handling animals up until the big moment when he (laughs) controlled the Purgils and, uh, you know, won the Battle of Lothal. So... I am curious if you think maybe Grogu has some kind of special connection to animals and sub question, if he does, would he connect with the mythosaur? We've seen him with these crabs. They were all gathered around him him, and they scuttled away. 
we also remember in Book of Boba Fett saw him calm the Rancor. So is this a special force talent and will it be used on the Mythosaur? Uh, I think it was, you know, I, I like where it started with just to get him fed, right? You get the space frogs and, you know, you know the, just that's a pretty big Jedi ability there because, I mean, that frog was, was, was almost as big as he was. But <laughs> I think that would be, that's some great ground to lay just because we have seen it over and over. And I really loved, you know, like I said, the rocks turning into crabs and him kind of just kind of looking at it, you know, rather than you're like, it's going right in your mouth, isn't it? Uh, he's just trying to figure like, if I can get through this shell, it's, oh, it's game over for you. Uh, but I, I think it, you know, I did not put that together about the Mythosar, but you're like, Ooh, that makes complete sense <laughs> because he's already, he's already kind of, you know, semi talked to the Rancor. <laughs> Size matters not, right? That's what you know, another one of his kind would say. So, I, I think you nailed it, and I, that that's what a great surprise. I didn't, I did not put those together, and uh, oh, I, I want that to become true because it does make sense. Because you're sitting there like, a, what are they going to do with the mythosaur once they get it? Does it does it can it breathe outside of water? What there? But then you start going like, well, they do have these three. You know, they're not dragons. I know that they were, was it uh, raptors or something like that? Raptor, yeah. Yeah, and uh, does that mean that they now can lay claim to the throne of Westeros? Uh, (laughs) You knew that that joke was coming, so I'm just going to get it out of the way early. (laughs) But I do think that him perhaps talking to the the baby raptors could be some very interesting ground to lay, because otherwise, what else are you going to do with them? Um, <laughs> other than them being there, you know, I, I like the fact that, Hey, you know, the mother died, so we have to take, kind of take care of them. Um, but yeah, I, I think that kind of makes sense because now you have, okay, okay, kid, <laughs> what are you going to do with this? <laughs> that that's a good connection. So, uh, I'm going to call that a steal on one of my later ones, which, uh, is, you know, are we bound for Mandalorians mounted on Raptors attacking a planet, a city reforming Mandalore? I think it's it's really interesting that they chose that beat because they could have just left him in the nest and nobody mm-hmm. would have ever said boo about it. And, you know, maybe a couple of people online would have been like, hey, wait. But the fact that they brought him back, um, it felt very much like the Rancor. And, you know, I think there's a pattern to all three previous seasons that John Favreau has written, which is I sprinkle pieces throughout the season and then the finale is everybody together, right? We mm-hmm. saw it with with Quill and the bur- Blurgs uh, in season one. We saw it with the kind of pack of, of awesome ladies who helped out Mando uh, attack Gideon's ship. Uh, and so I think if there's a piece to come back, it's uh, it's probably those guys and that's exciting. All right, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep with your theme here. I'll see your, I'll see your chronological order here, sir, and I am gonna raise you with this question: Were you surprised first how big the covert really was, and second that nobody died in this episode except for the monoraptor? <laughs> uh, I it has grown a lot. I, I mean, I think we got a sense in that. Um, christening scene from the premiere right the very first scene of of season three um that it had grown but this certainly looked much bigger and um not only big but active and that opening scene is really interesting um how there's so much training going on so many different types of weapons and 
you know, I, I can't remember the exact line, but there's a line in the the first season where Mando essentially says this blasters my religion or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think we're we're seeing that. And, and I, I get the spirituality aspect. It doesn't always feel like a religion so much as like a social club. Right. Uh, you know, here in this country, I have, I have some problems with with our gun laws, but. There is a side of it that I understand when you get like a shooting club that meets together at a range, you know, it's like a bowling league. Right. And and I felt like that's kind of what we were seeing here. Like the pure hobbyists, like, yes, they're training themselves, but they're not about to go start a war with these skills. They want to protect themselves. And it's more, you know, it's more like sparring in karate than it is actually right. like training for for some kind of battle or something like that so so yes surprised how big it is uh i think you know there's very little left in the trailer we haven't seen (laughs) like every time we talk there's less and less but we do have the shot of some of these mandos jumping out of a drop ship which i'm assuming is bows so i'm really curious to see where that's building so uh yeah those those are my thoughts on the convert all right what's your next question there dr cass uh, how long until Grogu joins that covert? So mm. uh, we get this clear message that, you know, uh, to join the creed, you have to speak the creed because if you can't believe and say the words, then you're not prepared to do so. Is this, are we seeing this at the end of the season? Do you think this is the the end of the show or is this not the way at all? What do you think? I think it was a very convenient way for him to avoid having the wear to helmet yet, because I think that there is a lot of there's a lot of value in not covering up the face of the of the baby who has who made this a phenomenon to begin with. And I think having having the armorer make the rondelle and saying, you know, first off, I'm assuming that that is I'm assuming that Beskar is pretty light because otherwise this kid would pretty much fall flat forward with that heavy piece of armor on the front. But I think that I think that that I I think that Mando saying that kind of I think it was I, I think when when the foundling was asking about it and him answering that way was basically an audience type answer of like he doesn't have to wear it yet because he can't speak the creed. And at mm. some point, you know, we are moving towards him speaking more. You know, how will it be next season before he starts talking? You know, he's already kind of answering, you know, whether it's, it, it went from, I think I'm going to take this from another um, podcast where it went from cooing to kind of like gurgling and he's attempting to try to speak and answer back and clearly understands when people are talking to him. We're ways away from red, red wire, blue wire. <laughs> um, we're now into and then you know even having the armorer talk to Grogu at, at clearly he's understanding and he's going through all that you know it's I, I like how this is progressing but yeah I, I don't think the helmet comes on that could be something where at the very end right I mean I think if you see if you see here's 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 my thing I think if you see Grogu controlling the mythosaur It'll be with a helmet on. That that's where I think th- those those worlds will collide there. But I think in the meantime, I, I like the fact that you get a piece of armor every now and then, and uh, you mm. know, I can I can has Mythosar. Um, well, I will say Ross Holobin was the first one to make a Flava Flav joke uh, oh. to me in response to this episode, which I thought was spot on when he got that giant uh, medallion essentially. Um, 
I I like all that you're saying, and that certainly makes sense. Uh, a cynical part of me thinks also like, and you don't hire the beautiful Katie Sackoff and then hide her face for so much of of the runtime. Uh, but that's just the Starbucks lover in my heart uh, speaking, <laughs> perhaps. Which we didn't celebrate. I, it took another podcast to say this. We got Starbuck dogfighting last episode, and it was yep. pure Battlestar goodness, and it, it didn't even click with me because I'm so invested in her as Bo uh, now. Um, I think everything you said sounds right to me. I think, though, somewhere in a room in ILM in San Francisco behind that Yoda fountain, Doug Chang is working overtime to figure out how you fit a Mando helmet over those beautiful ears on, on Grogu and working to see what design is going to be just right for that because I, I think it will be there eventually. I could also see a helmet that the eyes are visible. Mm. Let's just source my eye because the kid's got the biggest beautiful eyes out there. <laughs> I could see a helmet where you could at least see the eyes and then obviously the ears protrude. But I think, it, it, you know, almost like, you know, where it would go through the front and maybe be exposed like, you know, from the face down. But I think the eye, I think the eyes are still there. Uh, let, let me, I'll throw my wild uh, cantina cast, you know, Albert Padilla tinfoil hat on. <laughs> <laughs> and say that 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 is that is it because I do think that that would be an interesting way to satisfy many things. It's a helmet, but you can clearly say part of his face, but it's not all of his face. But it, you can still tell it's Grogu. Da 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 da. You know, it, th these are these have got to be wonderful questions for a writing room. That okay, mm. you know, that may not have really you know like that. Obviously, you know, the dog catches the car. Now what? Um, so. <laughs> I, I like that that manner of thinking. Um, I do think there was uh, in the Tartakovsky Clone Wars, so the 2D animated Clone Wars, mm -hmm. I believe it was Jedi Master Sese Tin who has uh, horns, but they had a kind of clone style helmet that slipped on his head and let the horns come out the side. And mm -hmm. you can almost imagine a, a design of that kind. But your comment also made me think, um, you know, the the other foundling we see, uh, Jimmy Kimmel's son, uh, the, the Vizsla son, uh, uh, he has a visor, an eye visor that's much bigger. And to me, it, it looks like the Hasbro toy version of a Boba Fett <laughs> helmet. Um, and uh, so it... You know, it, it makes me wonder, like, well, if some if I mean, the armor, she might, poor Emily Swallow must not see anything out of that. The <laughs> eyes are so small. So maybe it is that the foundlings start with kind of a bigger, wider design and then they can narrow that and customize it over time. And, and could that be the eyes showing? So very cool. All right. I think it's your question, but who even knows? Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. You know, it, it's interesting. Should we? Because I have some questions. I have some Mando questions outside of the flashback at the end, or I guess towards after post flashback. Should we go into flashback? I'm wondering. Flashback. Okay. I vote okay. Flashback. <laughs> um, now I I kind of already led off with, you know, who thought at first Keller was a was a where, not a who, and then lost their damn minds, and that would be this guy right here. Um, <laughs> But I find it interesting that so many people were trying to get Grogu to Kelleran. Mm. You know, obviously, I think Kelleran was probably thinking there'd be more people joining him at a certain point. But it's interesting that I, I, I can't dance around this anymore. I, what do you think about the connection 
of Kellerin and Padme. Let's just let's just let's just rip the Band-Aid <laughs> off because that thing, all these questions kind of line up to, you know, and it started to kind of even get me thinking about a timeline of where she was, where's Anne Anakin's clearly still in the temple, but Padme's there. She hasn't had, you know, she's yeah. in all this. And I'm like, so talk to me. What do you think about Kellerin's relationship to Padme? Uh, I mean, I think uh, I, I did the exact same thing. I'm thinking because uh, he gets the ship that is uh, the episode two Naboo cruiser. And I was like, and this is going to take one of mine. They say, oh, it's all fueled up, ready to go. I'm like, was Padme about to go somewhere? <laughs> like, was she getting off Coruscant before things got really dark and left the ship kind of idling on the landing pad? And, um, you know, she will... In short order, I believe the next night, uh, join uh, C-3PO in a brand new Naboo cruiser, a different one, and take that to uh, Mustafar to ultimately her death, which is, is, is sad. And so we're right there in that moment. So, um, yeah, so... Uh, I, I alluded to this in our opening thoughts, but, um, you know, Jedi temple challenge was something I was never thinking would be canonical. (laughs) It was a ton of fun and it really hit at this, this really important moment. And I don't have all the behind the scenes details absolutely correctly, but my understanding, at least as, as I've gleaned from social media is that it was planned as a Disney plus show to be released a kind of game show to test the waters on that. And then I think because the pandemic hit, they put it on star Wars YouTube because they knew kids needed something fun. Mm -hmm. And my son was exactly the right age. I mean, he, he was four, I think as that hit and loved it. If he could go, and be on Jedi Temple Challenge, he would pay a million dollars or a million Legos because that's all he has. Uh, So (laughs) it was such an important part of he and I in that terrible moment. And and in our family, that's also when his sibling arrived and he's competing for attention in a new way. And so uh, it was so, so special to see him. But all of that is to say, so Kellerin is established in the now (laughs) canon version of Jedi Temple Challenge as somebody who helps test Padawans. And so my interpretation of what's going on there is that he was just there to pick up a new group of Padawans. And, you know, I think there's there are High Republic sources and other canon sources that tell us not every minute of a Padawan's life is in the temple on Coruscant. And I think there's probably, you know, some group that needs to go do a little training with Kelleran and he was going to take them all. And when the elevator opens and it's just one and he's sensing what's going on, I think that is a devastating moment to that character. But because he's, and I'm going to use the technical term, a total badass, he (laughs) uh, just takes to action and he realizes he's got to fight and the dual wielding, the drama, all that. All right. So to your question, I I really think it was just kind of a hat tip that, Ahmed Best, the actor, loves Natalie Portman, the actress, and Natalie Portman loves Ahmed Best, the actor. They still engage frequently on on social media and, and shout out each other. And so I think that was why Kellerin has a connection to the Naboo more than anything. Mm. But in universe, we know Kellerin takes a ship and goes off places in the Outer Rim to train younglings. I think he absolutely goes to Naboo, right? Why wouldn't you go enjoy some nature there, some grassy plains, and have a good time? Um, And, you know, he's probably uh, bumped into Jar Jar here and then, caught a ride with him, and uh, we'll have to do some parent trap 
you know, double screening to get there. But uh, I bet that's there for it. So, um, yeah, I think it's absolutely Padme's ship. I think she can't escape because because Keller <laughs> took it. But uh, I think there's just a good friendship there. <laughs> and, you know, when you think about like things like the younglings and things like that, I, I think, you know, it, it's funny because I didn't quite put this question together it was long after i'd watched it and i was just enjoying the fact you know like uh, of just watching you know keller and basically yeah be a badass and you know and I, I kept looking and i'm like you know what i need to go back and watch you know jedi temple challenge because i'm like how close did they get the lightsaber did they did they get the is he using the same lightsaber or did they change it a little bit because that would be super cool definitely he got a uniform upgrade because that collar is just oh so, you know, someone someone took a little extra time in 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 wardrobe and gave him quite <laughs> quite the look. Um, I, I mean, it, it screams black series figure, right? That, that's yes. where my head. Went. But but yeah, I mean, I, I think a TV ver- budget of uh, or a, a YouTube game show budget versus an actual television budget here. Um, I've seen a few people. It, it screamed High Republic to me. That's kind of where I associate gold. And there's oh. a mysterious Kalo, uh, character in the new uh, Jedi uh, Survivor trailer that uh, has similar kind of uh, markings. But other people pointed out more accurately it very much looks like Jocasta new and so maybe Kelleran is somebody who keeps uh, lore or is a teacher figure an academic and that's that's what those markings do but yeah it's a nice set of robes <laughs> I, w- I would love I'm, I'm not a cosplayer but if I needed Jedi robes I might go that way because they're really cool <sighs> all right what's your next one um, I want to just shout out a few cool, uh, well, I guess we've got most of them, but I, I want to shout out the speeder bike, uh, being chased by the, the gunships is a very cool image in the, the closing credit, um, the, the, the art they showed where it was clear they knew exactly who it was who rescued Grogu <laughs> the whole time. Um, so, you know, this is a little bit of that, but where do you think their story goes? Uh, speculate irresponsibly for a minute. I oh. mean, are they... Because if that is, you know, the creation of the Empire, it's a long time till we meet Grogu again. And I I think it's obvious they'll tell us more of that story. And you alluded to that earlier. But what do you think? Where do you think they go? Oh, you're going to give me you're going to give me this uh, this treat to do. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if I'm worthy of that, you know, because my mind started going immediately to Naboo. And would they have been on Naboo for Padme's funeral? Would Bail Organa have orchestrated, you know, Grogu to be shipped off elsewhere, you know, because would Kelleran have taken them somewhere else? I just love the fact, you know, it, it's one of those things that when you see these flashbacks to Order 66, there cannot be many more of these. And we really have to, you know, they, they put such care in some of these, you know, from the Kenobi series to this. And you go, oh, you know, it's, every time you see it, you know, of course, Revenge of the Sith is, you know, one of the favorites of the prequels and of mine, it was the favorite of it, of it, but you go, Oh my gosh. And you see some of this extra, you know, this extra, you know, and, and especially seeing the clones and so forth like that. You know, I, I want to say I go to Naboo because I think, I think at some point during one of these series is we're going back to Naboo and people, and that's all that's you know, people go, mm-hmm. we'll go nuts. Uh, we already kind of saw that in, um, in the Clone Wars, you know, with, or no, wait a minute, was it Tales of the Jedi that we yep. saw, like, the funeral of? And that's where kind of thought, and then, you know, Ahsoka hadn't seen Grogu until she saw him in season one of the men, one or two of the Mandalorian. 
two, one, two. Um, so I don't think that they cross paths, but I, I do think it would be it would make sense. But also, where else is he going to go? The path is not there yet. Um, could we finally see Quinlan Voss? Could you go? Could you you pass him off because he's got to be hidden somewhere? And I don't necessarily, you know, it, oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of time there. But I think at least initially. Boy, it'd be fun to pass through Naboo. Um, <laughs> I, I had, you know, I, I, I'm a bad Kenobi fan. I'd kind of forgotten about the path. And boy, do I want to go screenshot every square inch of that wall and see if there's a <laughs> Kellerin somewhere in there. Or, you know, I, I think people really picked that apart at the time. So we probably would have heard if there was. But, um, you know, I think it's only natural that I get a little nervous for Kellerin because, you know, uh, he doesn't seem to be around by the time we meet Grogu. So, um, uh, but I, I do think there's a lot of possibility there. And, you know, I think we said in one of our Kenobi episodes, boy, would that be a good show is the path, right? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, how that operates and how that helps move people around. Um, that would be a, a worthy successor to the Kenobi show, but you're right to point out that that wouldn't be here yet, uh, certainly, or would be just at the earliest stages of it. But um, I also, I got excited when you said bail, just because I like Jimmy Smith's uh, and was so great to see him back. Now I just, I got to go upstairs and watch Kenobi, but um, uh, it's, it's a great figure to remember that he's out there doing all he can behind the scenes. And why wouldn't that include helping whoever he could? So, uh, yeah, rich possibilities there. It would be fantastic. And every time you think, oh, well, they'd never do something like that, you get something like Keller and Beck <sighs> in live action. So pretty awesome. And just uh, I'll tag that on your Kenobi comment. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to and you listened to, to the WTF Mark Marin podcast, O'Shea Jackson Jr. was a guest a few weeks ago and had a couple of nights. One, it's a great episode. Two, had a couple of little tips. And, you know, little little tidbits for uh, Star Wars fans. Uh, it's a great episode, so definitely check that one out. Uh, but yes, um, get every get the path show going uh, and I'm there, whether it's animated, whether it's, you know, it's live action. Um, heck, you know, do a, do a comic series of it. But uh, I think more more stuff there. Well, I'll go one further and say that uh, <laughs> the triumph of modern cinema, Cocaine Bear, had a plot line with O'Shea Jackson teamed up with none other than Alden Ehrenreich. And I, the whole time I'm sitting there going, I want that show. (laughs) I want, you know, the the follow-up to Solo where, you know, Emphis Nest pulls him in and they pull in uh, O'Shea Jackson's character and all that. I was like, this is a show I would definitely watch. So, uh, yeah, you know, not a fantastic movie, but it really got my head spinning in Star Wars, as so many things do. <laughs> oh. uh, lastly, and this is not so much a question, because uh, my my I think I think we've kind of uh, gone on the flashback. But one thing I would say, and this is the only time when when this will be relevant, because after this is all done, after Batch and Mando are done, the Twain shall not meet. But I would say that it was so interesting seeing the clones at their peak because if you if you go back to the batch right you know it only takes a couple of them to go through that whole run of stormtroopers on that on the on the ship and even here and yes you see a lot of dead clones thank to Kellerin but you have to figure <laughs> that 
the clones were, I mean, the clones did the bulk of the work in the Jedi Temple. Anakin, you know, was out there slaughtering uh, younglings and whatnot and taking care of them. But the clones really went toe to toe. And I like that they kind of got their due. I mean, like I said, um, a lot of dead ones out there. But I would say you're seeing them at the peak and you're also seeing what happens when, you know, these are these guys have been through the wars. They are veterans. They know what to do. And it's it's nice to see that kind of backup in both episodes that you really can kind of get that reinforcement that, you know, the clones are not to be trifled with, even though that they're they die in great numbers. <laughs> uh, I just want to underscore that by saying great to hear Tamora Morrison. Obviously, yes. love D. Bradley Baker and all the work he's done to portray the clones. But there's, you know, something special when it's the real movie people uh, coming in and just doing a little voice at work. And, you know, I think what we're seeing is you give Tamora Morrison or somebody like him a good part in Book of Boba Fett and, and you know, uh, train him up. Uh, and, and give him uh, his due and then he's like oh you need me to come into a booth and talk a few lines you got it right or uh remembering that he was in kenobi too as the destitute clone trooper uh begging from change on uh the dayu the second dayu uh, whatever the second planet was uh that we were on so uh yeah just agree a, a great moment to see the clones um, you know, in the Revenge of the Sith video game, Anakin gets held up for a long time battling Sin Dralig, which is the character portrayed by stunt coordinator Nick Gallard. And in the kind of uh, scrubbing of the security tapes that Yoda does, you see the two squaring off. So my headcanon is he's upstairs fighting a really talented sword master mm. before getting to the room with master skywalker what are we gonna do um and so uh yeah so i think he's he's held up there but you're right the clones are every landing pad tracking every ship like you gotta figure it had to have been really messy even if it was the middle of the night and who they're tracking down and how they're blowing up all over coruscant so very cool stuff yeah the the whole the whole the whole flashback it it did not feel i'm sure it was done in the volume uh, but it really did not feel it felt very cinematic and like something that could have been edited very easily in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, my hat's off to it. I, like I said, completely surprised, totally delighted. And, uh, you know, it was one of those where, wow, getting that in a TV show. All right. All right. What are the oh, I got to pick up on that. One last thought from me is there are people who have taken all the Order 66 moments and edited them together. So oh. you take Revenge of the Sith, you take the Clone Wars finale finale, the, the last time it had a finale. You take Bad Batch, you take Jedi Fallen Order. Sorry, spoilers. You get Order 66 in that <laughs> and you get everything. And it's like, you know, it, it's. It just reminds me of when Yoda feels it. One of my favorite moments in Revenge of the Sith has always been when Yoda feels it and you just see his cane drop and he clutches his chest. And it's like, yeah, you watch all this and you realize that's what he's feeling. Like he's sensing all of, all of this. It. And like, yeah, it's it's really a cool thing. So people should seek out edits of that. Mm, 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 mm. All right. As we kind of move towards the end of this episode or which was the big the big landing party as it were i kept i kept getting star trek vibes uh what do you have <laughs> as far as it, it it followed a case but um what are some of your la- lingering questions for the rest of this episode uh my last question skips all the way to the end of the episode so Fair do you have something about the landing party you might want to throw that in first okay uh this this is you know I, 
there is some cheeky questions and it's like how do you how do how do you identify the Mandalorian red shirts that is a Star Trek reference <laughs> but then again we've already determined nobody died so it was not a question of Star Trek uh, at all there was one and it did have to do with the Paz Vizla's you know son he says this is my son do you think the mother is in this covert is she still around <laughs> Uh, really interesting question to me. Not the least of it is all the helmet jokes I will avoid, uh, telling, but you know, um, thank you. I was, you I, have I, ha- to wonder. I have one, I have one and I, I, I took the high road on this one. <laughs> um, I, I think if you asked Din Djarin who Grogu is, he would say my son with the same love and compassion that, uh, okay that uh, Paz Vizla says. So I'm going to say that I'm not convinced it's his biological son because I think this is a covert that takes foundlings seriously and they take their wards seriously. Um, And so I think he might be using that in uh, that sense, which makes it no less real, obviously. Um, And then if it is his biological son, um, my mind goes to the armorer because this covert was down to two for a little (laughs) while. And again, uh, in crimes against uh, seeing beautiful people on television, Emily Swallow is is it's a shame she's behind her helmet because, you know, when you see her at conventions, she's, uh, you know, quite pretty. And it's like, you know, long, lonely nights on that weird space station they were on. Maybe maybe you, you keep your helmet on, but we'll we'll leave it there. <laughs> I, I, I am so happy we dealt with that the way we did. I think that's perfect. But I, just I, a touch of immaturity, just a touch of immaturity. <laughs> in your podcast but i do like the fact that you brought up like if someone had brought in a foundling that they would probably Mm. treat that as their son i think that makes uh, i think that makes a lot of sense given you know how armor tends to stay on but i think that also yeah i think you know it it is clear that he cared a great deal and uh didn't hurt didn't hurt bo-katan's case uh getting the kid saved um but Mm -hmm. but anyway i i like that i think i will subscribe to that theory mr cass all right. Well, we we do know we have Mandalorian families, so they do procreate. And, um, you know, I think there are a lot of people who are asking these questions because I've seen a, a increasing uh, ship community for Bo and Din these last few weeks. And and boy, in that initial foundling fight, did that feel like mom and dad, uh, you know, pepping up the little one. So uh, good stuff. Uh, OK, so here's the big one. Why did Bo tell the armorer when she, about the mythosaur when she has kept it secret from Din? Why is this the person she reveals it to? Uh, that does remove uh, that does remove uh, one of my last questions off there. I I think at this point, you know, I think Bo's in a good place, and I think that at at some point, you know, I you know, like I said, you know, she's kind of you know, kind of joining this, you know, even now hate to kind of call it a cult, right? Because it's like, yes, they decide to walk the way, but it's not, you know, like, I don't know. I I see it less and less as a cult as more of like, this is just the, uh, this is just the way as it were. But I liked how she framed it. And I also think that given how much it like, you know, well, well, you you know, like by the letter of the law, you redeemed that. I love how the armor is very matter of fact. I, I really, you know, 
the more I, I, I was doing, I, I did one a lunchtime doodle and it got, uh, for, um, I put it on Twitter cause I'm like, I just wanted to draw the armor and try to do it again. Mm. Cause I like to do it. I would like to do it and get it digitally at some point, but I'm just like, what a great character. And you get the feeling you could tell that character just about anything. Right. And it's sort of like, mm. Hey, and then she'll, it's just like, she's going to answer you exactly the way it should be. It's, it's almost like, wow. I mean, not so much a leader as a shaman as it were. Um, but, uh, mm, mm, and, and still being able to wear the helmet, uh, that has the Darth Maul horns on it. However, comma, <laughs> yeah. that would be totally like, no, this is exactly, you know, Hey, he, he was, you know, so you can just totally see that in her character. But I, I, I did, I loved the responses as much as anything else. You'll see many things. Oh, you saw it. Did you, <laughs> you saw it, did you? Um, but, uh, but anyway, but I, I think it, I, I'm glad that's out of the way because, I, I want to see just as much as they do. It's like, all right, what do we do now with this thing's alive? And uh, that, that kind of really gets you to the next one because otherwise, a very almost Bad Batchian type of Mandalorian episode. You know, we've kind of, you know, like, because we're still trying to figure out who's the, you know, who's the antagonist and the protagonist and all this. And, you know, it we still have, what, four more episodes, right? Are we at the halfway point? I believe point? we're, I, I think we're at the halfway point. Oh my yeah. Goodness, yeah. So at any rate, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy that some of these minor pieces get pushed off because, you know, we could be in for you know, some, a heck of a last few episodes. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Um, some people have criticized this, you know, the internet criticized things, uh, criticized this season and said, Oh, I don't really know where this is going. And I hate that. I'm in a point where I don't know this where this is going, and I love that. These storytellers have uh, earned our trust, I would say, with what they've delivered each season. And so I'm just really excited to see where this ends up because I trust them and, and can't wait. And I'm glad I don't know where it's going. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that kind of... The only other thing that I would say, just in briefly, just one last small question is, is that at this point, is Mandalore any worse than the planet that they're on at the moment? Just with the, with the, <laughs> with the lingering threat of, you know, now they, obviously there, there has to be other ships there, hopefully. Otherwise, mm. they got there somehow and they have Bo-Katan ship. I, ha, do you have a feeling that we'll be moving back to Mandalore? Yeah, a good theory on Ringerverse is related to Andor that Mandalore has always been fine and there's a big secret Imperial base there that they're mm. keeping hidden. And I like that as a theory. I'm, I'm not ready to say I believe it'll be true, but uh, it would be really fun. But uh, yeah, I think we're going to eventually get back there somehow, even if it's just you know buying tickets on the Obi-Wan Kenobi space bus and, and getting there. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, we had a space bus in Andor too, I guess. So uh, yeah, that's it's true. Like the theme. So, all right. Pringles cans. Yep, uh, I was just going to ask, I, what's your, Pringles, what's your yeah, Pringles cans? Right. I think we're going to go really high for me. Um, I, you know, I I was asked on uh, my appearance on Coffee with Kenobi to grade this, and I said A for Ahmed. Right? It just is ah. so wonderful that. You know, is it my favorite thing in the world? Is it the best episode? No, not really. But the feeling it gave me is unlike anything I've felt in a long time from Star Wars. And it just was a total delight. And I'm I'm so happy they gave that gift to him and to us. So I'm going to go I'm going to go full 10 just out of pure admiration for the good man uh, being treated well. <laughs> I think you basically that that is my rating as well. And I couldn't have said it any better. 
all the feels in this one. I like the fact that it was kind of, you know, enclosed within itself. You know, we had a party like not no Mando's had to die in this one, including the one who was <laughs> swallowed for a time and then spit back out. It's a little weird. <laughs> Ooh. Um, but no, I, I think when you give me the Star Wars feels like this, um, I'm, I'm incredibly happy. And yes, that is it. It earned its 10. And I also like the way you said it. It may not be the best one. But this is when it gets it really right, and I think they got it right on many levels. Uh, very happy to see what they did, and here's to doing more of that. Here's to more of the feels, the non-spoiler feels. And by the way, uh, I would just say to anyone, just stay off social media. Just like wait until you're done watching it, because <laughs> you could see people even trying not to spoil it, and they were spoiling it. Instagram was a spoiler circus. Entertainment Weekly could not wait to tell them they to, to tell yeah. you that they had an interview with Ahmed Best. So just well, and, and we're recording this on Thursday, and it's the official accounts are showing it now. So they they only care about the day of viewers at exactly. this point. So. And even in hours. Yeah. And so you know we know that the longer you do this, the less moments that you have. So it's important that you know give yourself give yourself the luxury of having these moments. And, uh, and you will not regret it one bit. All right, we're going to get you out of here, Dr. Cass, but I need <laughs> to have a place where people can find you. Where can they find you on the interwebs? Well, of course, as you plugged earlier, I'm at ioncannon.com now, and I'm, I'm percolating my next blog entry and should have some, some writing up uh, very soon, once work, uh, once real work settles down uh, just a touch. <laughs> um, so uh, you can find me there, or I'm on Instagram, not spoiling Mando, uh, but because uh, you offered the opening, I will say my favorite non-Mando spoiler was Blast Points, who came on uh, Wednesday morning with the uh, incomparable uh, Tina Turner singing Simply the Best. And again, it's like, all right, you nailed it. Nobody knows what that means, but we know what that means now that we've watched it. So that made me laugh a lot. <laughs> nah, and I would say even to try to be, even that is that is perfect. It's I, I think I like our group as well. It's like we kind of go, you know, we're in, in, in our chat group and go, hey, who has saw it? Who hasn't saw it? And even sometimes, even you know, even even the least of it. So I love the fact that everybody you know think think of your fellow Star Wars fan. All right, uh, if you have a question for us, you can always find. Uh, this podcast on the socials, Rebel Base Card on Twitter, Instagram, Hive. You can email the program, Greg at RebelBaseCard.com. I want to think we had a very nice uh, shout out today, and I don't have that Twitter um, Twitter fired up at the moment, uh, but it was very nice. People like the format, and I hope you like it as well. Um, great episode that we had earlier in the week, which I didn't do a great job of promoting, um, but I was in Chicago. Sports Spectacular last weekend and talking to my friend Carl Schmidt. A great, he's the one that had the Rebels poster and we had some fun and audio mm -hmm. and some great non-sports card goodness. It is spring break and so I get to take a little bit of a vacation this weekend. We'll, we'll let you know on, on the socials where we end up landing uh, but we will be taking a few <laughs> days. Can't wait to take care of that. However, we are done with this episode and we'll be back next week for the penultimate and uh, series finale of the bad batch and then things go back to normal and another episode of mandalorian so for greg cast and myself uh, we're going to return you to your podcast playlist already in progress this podcast is not affiliated in any way with tops disney or star wars nor is it endorsed by disney or lucasfilm and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only all names and sounds, 
and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders here in the U.S. and abroad. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com.